Uh, so Lauren, before we kick things off, you've got a little a little announcement. Yeah, I forgot to put this in the show originally. <laughs> I've like summoned you the way that I would summon Suri or um, Alexa. Yeah. Hey, Hannah. And then your voice has just arrived from the internet. Are you even a real person? Unclear. I'm not. I'm Wikipedia. You're just you can't Wikipedia. trust me. Mm-mm. No, you absolutely cannot. Um, so yes, we are bumping down from four to three episodes per month this year um, for many reasons. But um, one of them, Hannah's favorite reason, is that the episodes will be more focused, a little bit more tight. And um, we've got a lot of travel, travel to do interviews, travel to do other fun things. So yeah, just uh, accommodating the schedule, guys. Listen, it's like this. The more we podcast, the less we can podcast. Does that make sense? Yeah. That's it like do, it, that's it how does to me. Jason Statham <laughs> would say it. Yeah. Yeah. Would he say it in that accent? No, he'd say it in a different one, which you cannot trick me into doing. Mm, sure, sure. So another thing I forgot to add in this episode was that Lady Susan reminds me of Real Housewives of Beverly Hills star, Lisa Vanderpump. And I'm not sure how many of you guys are going to get that, but I just need to put that out into the universe. And please, please at me on Twitter if you'd like to talk about this further. Man, I hate my voice. I hate doing the intro. <laughs> it, you, you've got a good voice. Nah, it's mm-hmm. uh, na- nasally. I listen to uh, I listen to the episodes every week. I know what it sounds like. Mine is terrible. I actually have a. Really... Oh, I like yours. You've got a better one. Oh, I've okay, got a real hard squat. time. This week, I'm Lauren. Yeah. Okay. Welcome to Bonnets at Dawn, the podcast that explores the works and lives of 18th, 19th, and 20th century women writers. I am your host, Hannah Chapman. And I am your host, Lauren Burke. And this week, we are Team Austin. Team Austin. I'm I'm down for that this week, okay? I'm into Good. it. Because um, I really, uh, I'm really jazzed for what we're going to talk about today. We are talking about love and friendship and Lady Susan. And we're still on our wives and daughters train. So that's going to come up. So just, warning, if you haven't read Wives and Daughters, I want you to stop what you're doing right now and go read all 60 chapters because they are glorious. Now, so, before yeah. we get any further into Gaskell, into Whit Stillman's adaptation, we need some basic facts. True. Facts, people. Just about the novella that has started this all. Okay. Yep. So fact number one, it's very hard to tell when this book was written. Mm-hmm. Good start. Excellent. <laughs> so um, some people say that it was written in 1794, which would be in the period after Jane Austen has completed those vellum notebooks that we talked about in season one, episode three, talking mm-hmm. about the juvenilia. That's the only thing I want you to take from that episode because I re-listened to it and I said very mean things about Austen's juvenilia. Little baby season one Hannah did not know. It's it's a terrible episode, guys. Don't listen to it. <laughs> it's awful. Set it on we're fire. just like, we're in like in a fever in the uh, podcast hut. Just like, oh, we're very worked up. 
Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, so some people think that it was written about 11 years later, so in 1805 instead. And that's because the only manuscript of it is written on watermarked paper from 1805. So it was either written earlier and then it was rewritten kind of more neatly later on, or she began working on it in 1805. And that really kind of plays a, a different kind of light onto the book because mm-hmm. it's either juvenilia that a much younger writer's working on before she takes on her bigger novels or she's going back to an old form of writing because remember Eleanor and Marianne was an epistolary novel before it became the third person sense and sensibility so it's we're not quite sure what's happening here I'd say right. wherever it lands love and friendship or Lady Susan is like a funny like in between it doesn't quite know what it is right it's so very either... Austin but it's like weirdly not Austin right? right so either it's like this epistolary that she wrote when she was what 18 19 a kid mm-hmm. and it's sort of used to entertain and just you know whatever it's part of the juvenilia or it's something that she was working on later um and could have become something else like I'm wondering really if like this format is just the way that she sort of does her first drafts like how she gets like the characters down on paper I think that just we don't know that obviously but regardless of which one it is in Paula Burns uh the real Jane Austen she does question why Jane Austen in 1805 would write a book where the anti-hero is named after the main character of the novel she's just sold to Crosby Mm. because remember Northanger Abbey was initially called Susan but I think that that calls the title into question, uh, the character names into question either way, because either she writes this epistolary in 1794 um, and then redrafts it, which is what Paula Burns questioning. So Paula Burns like, why would she redraft it in 1805 when she's just sold a book by the same or similar name? But mm-hmm. then why would you start a new novel where the main character is called Susan after just selling? Right. Like, Neither of them makes sense. So this, right. everything about this book is just like wild and hard to hard to pin down. It's a tiny it's also, little mystery. It is a tiny little mystery. And also even the name, like the name was given to it by Jane Austen's family. The manuscript is unnamed. Mm-hmm. And then a really, I think, common criticism of it and all the reading that I did, uh, most people do say that the work feels rushed, like it starts off really well, it's got like these great voices, but then Austin seems to lose steam, lose interest, and it just kind of neatly packages it up at the end and then and then that's it, that's you it. know, like, yeah, yeah. Critiquing a first draft, very hard, guys. Yeah, very hard. <laughs> <laughs> So in brief, I'm not going to go into it too much because we're going to discuss the plot and hopefully you can all go and read it or watch it. Um, Lady Susan is the story of a scheming widower, Lady Susan Vernon, who has recently been staying with friends but has been forced to flee after it comes out that she's been shagging the husband. Mm -hmm. So you can imagine the wife and daughter not uh, not super happy with her. So we follow her as she then goes off to the country. She stays with her brother-in-law and she's trying to manage everyone around her with these varying levels of success. So her sister-in-law, her brother-in-law, her sister-in-law's brother, the ex-fiance of the daughter of the friend she was staying with who she's trying to marry off to her daughter, uh, the parent, like everyone, everyone is just involved. And Lady Susan is just trying to get everyone to bend to her will. 
And we're told the story through this series of letters, which the majority of them are from Lady Susan to her friend in town, Alicia, whose husband, by the way, also hates Lady Susan. And then Alicia's response is back to Lady Susan. But we also get letters from like within the family. So we get letters from um, her sister-in-law to her mother saying like, I can't believe that Susan has come. And obviously my husband just does everything that he's told. Uh, we also get letters from the brother of the sister-in-law who is like, I'm going to come and stay because I want to see this lady Susan. And then, yeah, she's awful. And then, oh, she's not that bad too. <laughs> oh, I'm in love with her too. Oh yeah, she's pretty bad again. Yeah. So you get like this lovely, like people falling out and just seeing it all happen and the schemes slowly start to fall apart. And then really, I think the crux of the story is the struggle between Lady Susan and her own daughter, Frederica, and the, the kind of question of who's going to marry who, who believes who, who's making out with who in the shrubbery, right. and that, that relationship. And I think it's Lady Susan's relationship with her daughter, Frederica, and then her willingness to kind of manage people, which mm -hmm. is what made me think of Claire so much when reading Wives and Daughters. Nice. Well, you've said earlier that this actually, with the different points of view um, that Austin is presenting here in Lady Susan, like it does remind you of Gaskell. Yeah, definitely. I think it's the closest Austin comes to multiple viewpoints on like single issues, right? Mm -hmm. Because a lot of her stories are from one point of view, even though it's like a, narr uh, a narrator. It's not like a first person narration, but it's like, this is Lizzie Bennett's story. This is this person's story. Right. And we only learn new things when someone says it to that character. Mm -hmm. But in Love and Friendship, which I keep I keep calling it Love and Friendship, sorry, because we are <laughs> discussing Love and Friendship, the film. Uh, in Lady Susan, because it's told through letters and it's like someone's collected all of the letters of everyone involved, you, you get those multiple perspectives. Which I love as a format. It just can be a little exhausting. Like, I feel like you can use that as a format, maybe to start a chapter and then flesh it out, mm -hmm. you know. Um, but anyway. Well, well the we'll problem talk. with letters is it's just they are a series of monologues, right? So you right. don't get any kind of. And the, the stuff that Austin is so great at, like, where's that fast paced dialogue? It's, it's not in there. Right. Really, like, really funny one liners and reported dialogue and things that people have said and Lady Susan's voice is so strong but then yeah you don't get the kind of exchanges and that fast pace to the narrative so yeah it does I think it feels a bit heavy in that sense but turns out makes a great film great film so the movie that we watched was from 2016 and that was directed and adapted by Whit Stillman so he's also produced films like um, The Last Days of Disco, Barcelona, and Metropolitan, um, which heavily like reference Jane Austen. A lot of people say that Metropolitan is like a remake of Mansfield Park, but he's very adamant that that's not the case, but it is heavily influenced and there's a big Mansfield Park like debate within the film. So we should watch it. We will watch it. Um, July, we're doing a whole month of Mansfield Park, guys, so. Let's yeah, just get, get in right there. In. Yeah. Um, so all of Stillman's films sort of tackle, you know, class and social norms. So it does make sense that he would do an Austin. Um, and I do like that he did Lady Susan. 
So the big thing about the movie is that it's called Love and Friendship. And like even we're getting confused right now. It is a little confusing. It's confusing. So we all know Love and Friendship is a juvenilia piece by Jane Austen that is completely different. Um, And Lady Susan is what, you know, her family called this. Okay, so big question. Why did Stillman change the title? And then why did he make it Love and Friendship, which is wildly confusing? Our friend Devaney actually interviewed him. And um, this is his response. It's kind of a long response. I'm going to paraphrase some of it. But he does start off by saying, perhaps it is irrational, but I've always hated the title Lady Susan. And as you mentioned, so far as we know, it was not Jane Austen's. The surviving manuscript carries no title. Um, The whole trajectory of Austen's improved versions of her work was from weak titles, often character names. So he brings up Eleanor and Marianne. Uh, which became Sense and Sensibility, Susan, which became Northanger Abbey. Yeah, but Jane Jane Austen didn't rename it. The the family renamed it Northanger Abbey. Yeah, it's true. Just as a, it's true. Just as a little. I don't know why I shouted that. Do you know what I feel really good about actually <laughs> is that Jane well, Austen was not great with titles, and like we're not great with titles. Oh yeah, definitely. And when when I was like little baby Hannah journalism intern. Uh, for magazines they'd be like oh these headlines are terrible <laughs> i'd be like yeah i yeah sorry but it's a great it, 1000 words huh how about that right <laughs> it's a skill guys it's hard it's really it hard it's a skill it's much easier to write 500 1000 2500 words than it is to write five yeah or two <laughs> yeah or two yeah, it's really it's really hard. Um, so, yeah, he also says that the um, film distributors like hate like names as titles. So that's another thing. But yeah, uh, unclear as to why he really pulled Love and Friendship uh, as the title. But that's what it is. We'll refer to that like going forward. Um, but next up, next topic. Let's get into Lady Susan versus Claire. Or Claire, Hyacinth, Mrs. Kirkpatrick, Mrs. Gibson. <laughs> Mrs. Gibson. <laughs> Did I get that right? Affectionately Mrs. Gibson. known as Lady Susan. <laughs> One and the same. So you were getting super Lady Susan vibes when we were reading Wives and Daughters, and you suggested that we watch uh, Love and Friendship. Why was that? I think I think the very first thing that kind of set those bells going off in my head was... Um, Claire's insistence that Cynthia not be brought out of school to come mm-hmm. and visit and you know for the wedding and for, for everything but and just like general travel like the fact that she's keeping this daughter so far away from her mm-hmm. and that's such because Lady Susan is so much about the relationship with the daughter and the things that she does to try and like get her daughter married to who she wants to get married and to make sure that people are interested in her and not her daughter who's a threat to her beauty and her uh, virtues you know when Claire starts doing it I was just like I've heard this story before like I know exactly what you're doing and then the more the book goes on the more that's the case right and like on a very base level I'm not saying they're the same character but a lot of their actions mirror each other yes and what I think is really interesting is that having done the north and south read along we know that Gaskell has like loosely taken like plot points from Austin before right Mm -hmm. and so it wouldn't surprise me if this is something that Elizabeth Gaskell had read 
It wouldn't surprise me, but I also think it's probably quite common, right? When you break down their characters, they're both women that had children very young. They're Mm -hmm. both very vain women. They're both um, manipulative. They both, they share a lot of the same qualities. Um, I feel like they're both really... Becky Sharp and Vanity Fair as well, isn't it? Like... Yes. I don't think Becky Sharp is as well-developed, though. Oh, and also, well, that's because it's written by a man, but... uh, (laughs) (laughs) Right? Yeah. You know, like the male perspective. We could do a whole episode on male male perspective on these women, you know, go go to the source. But um, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'm not. There's there's empathy, I think, for both characters and even in both stories in a way. I feel like there's more of an empathy there. I think that Claire is a sadder figure than than Lady Susan um, because she doesn't have a lot of the advantages in terms of social rank. But right. like they're both widows, and I think Lady Susan doesn't have a lot of money, although that's unclear to me. Um, well, when I was reading up on this, so okay, to kind of break down the differences between Lady Susan and Claire, Lady Susan was also the daughter of an earl. This is what I've read, mm-hmm. and um, she married an older man, and he was ill, and he died, and she, um, while he was ill, she was, you know going about town spending his money like crazy and now they do not have any money and she as she so well puts in the movie um she visits she doesn't live so now she's got to bounce around from place to place but you're right it's definitely class so claire um married for love i mean she married mr kirkpatrick the sort of not super well-off curate um and then he died and she's quite heartbroken actually i think she actually really did love him and she also now visits, like she doesn't really live or like, you know, the, the Cumners just kind of place her at Ashcombe and they're like, here's the school, do do this. I think that, I think Claire does work. And also like her, the implications of her marrying for love are different just because she was a governess. So it's not like she was marrying down. I think she married mm-hmm. someone who was of the same class, but her lifestyle, yeah, her lifestyle as a widow was vastly different to her lifestyle as a wife. Mm-hmm. Um, and so she's very keen to not let her daughter to go through it and like to experience because she really did experience poverty, but she can't invite herself. Right. And that's a big difference is that Lady Susan can kind of write to someone and say, hi, I'm coming for Christmas. Right. Which winds everyone up, whereas mm-hmm. Claire is summoned because she occupies yes. that half servant, half old family friend. She's summoned when there's a need for her, but isn't invited just that you know for the sake of company right. and lady cumner especially definitely treats her as if she's of lower rank whereas yes. lady susan is uh, everyone's equal right which makes it a little bit more fun yeah she can be a little bit more um she can be a little bit more bold claire has to really sort of suppress any sort of anger or um jealousy because she just she's got to stay in their good graces all of the yeah, time. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, like she can't answer back. Or... Right. Whereas Lady Susan is... really can. Like that's actually what I love about Lady Susan is that a lot of times people will confront her with something mm-hmm. and she just like calls them right out. Um, there is even a line in one of the letters where Catherine Vernon, her sister-in-law is like, what am I supposed to say to her? Like she just, she's like so bold. Like I don't know how to yeah. respond. Well, she's so... very blatant, isn't she? And even yes. with the affairs and the way she is with 
Sir James and the way she is with Reginald and the way she is with um what's his name I want to say Mannering but I know that's not his name yes uh, the um the man she has an affair with the man that she has the affair with yeah, like I don't Mannering. I'm not saying I don't think Claire would do those things like I don't no. think that she would go and have an affair behind Mr Gibson's back when she starts sighing after Mr Kirkpatrick it's because she's like longing for a life where she was like more in control of the marriage so she's got these mm-hmm. like nostalgic views she's not like I wish I was with another man how did you feel about Kate Beckinsale um I think she's quite good in the role actually I um have you know seen her in a few movies serendipity it's fine um those Love underworld movies whatever yeah but um you can actually see like sort of her training come out because she she did do much ado about nothing in Shakespeare and so she can really get the words out actually I think that she was a great choice for Lady Susan um Lady Susan who's also 35 and people talk about her as if she's about to die by the way I love (laughs) I love an older protagonist um I think Kate Beckinsale at the time that this was filming she was like probably 41 42 yeah it's actually a bit older yeah she's actually older which hey but that I mean, ne- never happens I, I do understand that when people are making films just because like we live for so much longer now and so for mm-hmm. people to read situations in the same way right it's like oh this is a woman who's like no longer super in her prime so you've got to age it up a bit mm-hmm. because yeah. otherwise everyone does look super young it's like if you had everyone in film like in period stuff playing the age they actually are when they go and get married it's just like oh oh this dear is, <laughs> these people are awkwardly young yes um yeah i thought kate beckinsale was great and also she does a really excellent audio book of pride and prejudice so Whit stillman um wanted to adapt this for a really really long time and i actually read in one of the interviews uh with him that he initially met like Elizabeth Hurley and thought that she would be great in the role. And this was like way before Mm. she was even sort of acting just when she was, he said just when she was Hugh Grant's girlfriend, like the the moment he met her, he's like, yeah, that's, that's what a lady Susan is. Just someone with like, just a lot of boldness and stature and confidence in sex in the sea. Right. Yeah. Yeah. She's that gal. Yeah. So no, I get that. Yeah, I it totally. Yeah, it totally works. So yeah, Kate Beckinsale totally works for me. Um, next topic. <laughs> I'm like, what's a good segue? Frederica versus Cynthia, the daughters. So that was the big contrast for you. I like um, that with love and friendship, you kind of immediately went to the mother daughter relationship. I didn't really go there. But I like that you went there. Yeah, I think just because so, so much of it is like, I think Lady Susan is competing with her daughter, mm-hmm. right? And so she, it's, there are so many characters who are outfoxing each other, like Mrs. Clay and Persuasion, who um, is going after Mr. Elliot and then is going after Sir Walter Elliot and then ends up with Mr. Elliot. And it's like so subtle, you can almost miss it. And then this is that like blown up times yeah. a thousand. And so, yeah, I think it's really interesting that Lady Susan is having this affair while she's having this affair this married man she's like oh that guy that fiance sir james he would be great for my daughter because he's easily controllable you know all of these things but then that's who she ends up marrying like this idiot like especially in the film like he's barely in the novella right he's just this name that kind of gets bandied around but then they really like he's so funny in the film 
And then she's, she's great. really trying to foist him upon her daughter. She knows it's a bad match. Her daughter is not interested in him. She keeps running away so that she doesn't have to marry the guy. And Lady Susan is like, this is this is money. This is security. This is like, yeah. I can control him. I actually love that conversation. There are two conversations that Lady Susan has about her daughter and Sir James. Um, so one is when Frederica comes to uh, the Vernons where Lady Susan is staying. She has left school and Sir James like just pops up out of nowhere. And he's like, I'm here. Like, let's get married. And Frederica is in her bedroom and she's really upset. And they mm-hmm. have this great conversation where she's like, listen, we don't have a place to live. Like, yeah. this is a guy with 10000 a year. He's going to take care of you. We don't know where we're going to end up, you know, like this is security. And I actually do feel like that was a genuine, you know, conversation. Like that was a genuine concern. Like she was like, I don't know how to take care of you. You don't want to go to school. Like, what do you want to do? And the daughter's like, well, I guess I could teach. And she's like, that won't take care of us. That won't take care of both of us. Because what would be great is if her daughter marries this guy, not only secures a position for her daughter, but for herself. Like she can go live Mm -hmm. there, you know, take advantage of his money and go like, mess around with whoever she wants to basically that's her her end goal honestly yeah, but frederica's not having it well frederica is a pawn but it keeps fighting back and so when she mm-hmm. and she keeps saying to people she's like she's wild she can't she's uncontrollable because what mm-hmm. she can't see is that frederica's like rebelling against these very unfair uh it's not it's not it's not like a good situation for frederica right she really despises the guy yeah um and like Frederica could just go and live with anyone else in the family, like she and could. That, especially, I think the film does a really good job of. Be, everyone is like, "Oh, this girl's lovely." Like any one of them would take her in, mm-hmm. but Lady Susan is like, "No, she's terrible. She has to go to school <laughs> and be far away." It's not like her. It's not like the Vernons would let her marry someone who was unsuitable or didn't have money. She's not. She is the daughter of a lady. Like she's from. It's not, she's not like an illegitimate daughter, right? So it's like this control thing where Lady Susan can't just like let other people make the decisions. Right. It's, I kind of feel for Lady Susan on this point. Is that terrible? Because she, I do, because there is that conversation that she has with uh, Reginald later on where she's like, he's like, you know, this guy's completely unsuitable. And she's like, this guy is fine. He is nice. He's rich. He's an idiot. Like, you don't know the spectrum of manhood out there. She's like, there are dudes out there that are much worse. Like, this is safety. And I was like, I get that. I get that. She's right. That doesn't mean I sympathize with her. Right? Like, I mean, I kind of am like, hey. She's not wrong. (laughs) She's not wrong. But this is this is what we say about um, so many of the men in these books, right? Like Mr. Collins, you could do worse than a Mr. Collins. You, you could. could, you could do worse than Mr. You could Collins. Do worse. So it's like it's that scenario, isn't it? Lady Susan has no respect for her daughter, too, right? She's like, this girl's an idiot. Like, yeah, she doesn't see any any of her virtues. Uh, yeah, I think she's like, you know, God knows what she'll do. She's very different than Cynthia, right? Like, she's a totally different character. These are two totally different women Frederica. because. Frederica, yeah. yeah. So Frederica's like, she's kind of dull, according to her mother. Everyone else says she's just Well, she's I lovely. think Frederica's more like Molly, right? Mm. Could be, yeah. She doesn't, have a, lot, she doesn't have a lot of pep. 
<laughs> no, she doesn't have. <laughs> I know how I feel about Molly, but um, it's like she's kind of just there. Like the most will we kind of get from Frederica is um the the very fact that she runs away, right? Yeah. But, like she goes, she's subservient. She goes and she sits in her room as her mother. Oh, she doesn't really cause a lot of scenes. She tries very hard to kind of get people to like listen to her but she's not like mm-hmm. my mother is trying to marry me off like a piece of meat or any you know there isn't this like big explosion yeah no there's not she's pretty um yeah she's pretty dull it would be more interesting actually if she was a little bit more like cynthia where cynthia like sees the game that her mother's running yeah she's very very self-aware <laughs> Cynthia is a lot sharper and also and the thing that I think we both liked about Cynthia right from the get-go is that every Cynthia is smarter than her mother mm-hmm. I yeah. don't know that Frederica is smarter than Lady Susan no she's not and it would actually be justified if she was as smart or on the level with uh, Lady Susan like Lady Susan keeps like pushing her away mm-hmm. like I think that would actually be interesting that would add a little bit more tension um, to the story okay so who said this quote? Lady Susan or Claire? I'm in. Having children is our fondest wish, but in doing so, we breed our acutest critics. It's preposterous. It's a preposterous. I can't say it. <laughs> it's a preposterous situation, but entirely of our own making. Well, I know the answer. Yeah, you do know the answer. It's not fair. But totally same sentiment right it's the same sentiment but lady susan is smart she is she is i feel like it's something (laughs) that like when i when i read it i was like oh i feel like this is something that really claire should have said because claire does know that cynthia is clever and on to her so the only thing claire doesn't have claire doesn't have the words to put this sentiment out but she feels it in her heart you know yeah (laughs) yeah absolutely (laughs) So there were like a ton of really interesting reviews of love and friendship. Yes. Like, so really in, interesting. So I should say that in general, this was a really, really well received movie um, with critics, but with like the general public, very divided. So we did a deep dive on Amazon. I mean, I just like could not stop reading reviews of this. I, pro- I probably read reviews like reviews are <laughs> so entertaining. I feel like there were 4,000. I can't remember the exact number, but there were so many reviews of this movie. And I at least read 100, 200 reviews. <laughs> so I've got a few down here. And I think actually um, it would be a good way to sort of like break down this movie and like have a discussion about it. So let's see. A one star review. One star. Um Pretty costumes, stiff actors, wooden dialogue, a lack of imagination slash innovation. And how is it possible that they didn't know they were adapting Lady Susan, not Love and Friendship? Seriously insulting to anyone literate, enough to make any Austin fan vomit. I was genuinely looking forward to seeing a carriage accident and hearing run mad all breathy in a death scene. It's hilarious. Just watch the trailer. <laughs> I think I figured it out pretty quickly. Yeah, I did too. I, I didn't have a problem with it. It's but... confusing, but I don't think it's offensive. <laughs> no, no, I don't think it's insulting. Um, Maybe I'm not literate. This person like really wanted to see Love and Friendship adapted too. Like, yeah. Come on. 
This next one's really good because they don't even spell Jane Austen's name right. None of them do. I have to say, I would about 60% of these reviews, they do not spell Jane Austen's name correctly. I was like, good Lord. Um, disgusting. Movie makers must believe moviegoers are uneducated or drugged. They took an amazing writer, Jane Austen, and made fun of educated persons and their customs. This is by far the worst film I've ever been forced myself to watch to review for the hope that it would be better or have a reason it was made. I don't even know. It shouldn't even get one star. Okay, so I bolded this line because um, I saw a lot of this sentiment in the other reviews. And it seemed to me that people were getting the wrong end of the stick. Uh, They felt like Stillman had like sort of manipulated this script to make fun of the gentry. I don't think they Mm -hmm. realized that Jane Austen is poking fun of rich people. That was her intent with this. Yeah, which just falls back into the idea of that we were saying before we even started recording. It's like people who think they like Jane Austen, but don't like Jane Austen. They like period drama adaptations of Jane Austen. And that's been a big thing since we started the podcast where it's like you just, you come across it time and time again. And this understanding of what Jane Austen is and what she represents and what those films will then mean, but more so than any other author, Jane Austen gets put into these boxes without being read, without being discussed and without being understood. So when a film comes out, people are like, oh, it's Jane Austen film. It fits, it ticks these boxes that are my Jane Austen boxes without actually understanding what those boxes should be. Yeah. Yeah. And also I was kind of, um, I was wondering if this person was American as well, because the line made fun of educated persons and their customs. It makes it seem like all of the people in this film who are, you know, God, what's his name? Um, Mr. Vernon is like kind of an idiot. Mm -hmm. (laughs) They're all idiots, right? They're all like rich idiots um, who have had wealth handed down to them. Yeah. People, I think they're viewing it as this wealth is earned, like they're successful people. Yeah, definitely. But also, and I think you're right to kind of bring in whether or not like, because is Whit Stillman an American? Yes, he is. So there's another review later on which says, um, I did not care for the movie or the acting at all. Of course, I'm partial to BBC productions of British novels. They tend to be truer to the British word. So then yeah. I think we've also got this angle of, it's like that that culture clash that you start to get with uh, modern day readings of stuff in that you've mm-hmm. got this like classical text which is written in one country and just like by my virtue of being British, does that mean that I understand Austin better than an American would? Right. And I don't think that's true because I wasn't no. born 200 years ago and a lot of the customs have changed. Right. right? <laughs> like, I don't. But what? also, they tend to be truer to the written word. This is really true to the text. This is, yeah. But what's interesting is that you were saying, obviously, before that this doesn't feel fleshed out. It feels like a draft, right? So in a way, I feel like Lady Susan is like the beating heart of what Austin's mindset and attitude is before like the skeleton and the muscles and like all of the uh, extra stuff gets like added into it. Mm -hmm. Right. And so that's what you're seeing. You're seeing like this very stripped back, satirical, like cutting, sharp Austin humor. And then people haven't read it. And so 
that's you can you can miss it you can miss it in Mansfield Park you can miss it in Pride and Prejudice like it is possible to read these books on a very surface level way and like not get not get that like sharper Austin but you can't do that with Lady Susan so I think people I think a lot of the people that like making these comments just didn't yeah just didn't read the novella they haven't read the novella I mean um let's see are there any positive ones (laughs) (laughs) not really oh my gosh this one's so good it's like watching one half of a tennis match there's no foil for her to bounce off of I actually think that is a fair review I don't understand to be honest. Tennis, so I don't understand. <laughs> I don't understand this review. Um, I think so. She's saying that like Lady Susan is such a strong character. She's just like, just knocking every like you know knocking everyone down, mm-hmm. and just she has no foil. She has no one to bounce off of. And I think that's actually a fair review. Um, something that Joy brought up in our Facebook group was that um she thought um Alicia would be sort of a foil for mm-hmm. um for her at the end. And I think that would be very interesting. And I kind of wonder, this has been adapted before. Um, It was adapted as a stage play and it was like Alicia and Lady Susan uh, back and forth. And I feel like that is, that would be a really interesting dynamic. So I do feel like she does need someone um, to really, to come at her. Cause I'd like to see. Well, I think a lot it. Chloe, I don't know how to say the surname. A very common criticism in our Facebook group was that Chloe Sevigny, Sevigny mm-hmm. uh, yeah. who plays Alicia, um, just was not cutting the mustard. No. So uh, Marlene said, I loved everything about it except for Chloe. I'm not saying the surname because I can't. Um, Joy said, yeah, I thought Chloe, uh, who is usually fine, did not work in the part. Yeah. yeah. Like, I thought her performance, I didn't, I didn't get it. I think she um, it made me think of when I was really young and I saw the first I saw that Emma with um, Ewan McGregor and Gwyneth Paltrow and I read this review where someone was like they're all so contemporary like they can't even walk in a Regency manner and I just that <laughs> review like stuck with me. <laughs> And they were specifically talking about like you and McGregor and like the way he walks, like he just he can't do it. Yeah. And um, I think that really applies to Chloe. So like Stillman has worked with Chloe before and uh, Kate and Chloe have worked together before. So I think Mm -hmm. he thought this dynamic would work. And it just really doesn't because she is a very contemporary actress. Like she was great in Russian Doll. That's her well cast. But she's just I don't know. She's like cilantro. Have you seen it yet? That's a I've big spoiler. It. She's the mom. Oh. When she's what? little in the flashback. Yeah, that's her, that's her mom. Oh, yeah. She's great in that. <laughs> spoiler alerts, guys. Uh, maybe I'll beat that out. But um, yeah, she just is. It, it, she's like cilantro. She doesn't work in everything. It's like <laughs> you can't. <laughs> this was not the right role. It's um, It's hard dialogue to get out, right? And I couldn't quite understand her character. I couldn't understand if she was um, on the level with Lady Susan and they were both sort of scheming together or if she was like kind of dumb and she was just sort of also taken in by Lady Susan. I didn't really get the dynamic. I I kind of the... What I, what I found interesting about Alicia, right, is that 
it feels like she's kind of all words in her support. So she's more than happy to sit there and write to Lady Susan in these letters. And she says like, oh, you know, Mr. Johnson says that you can never spend a night in our house. But I take that to mean that as long as you don't sleep here, it's okay for you to still come. She's she's like, oh, my husband doesn't want you to be here. Um, but she's not really doing a lot to like support her friend. <laughs> so she's mm-hmm. able to just sit there and say, oh yeah, oh my gosh, this is so terrible. Like I totally agree. And like helps her find a flat. But like, is she a good mate? <laughs> like I don't, there are no actions packing up her words. And then towards the end uh, in the novella, there's this moment where she's like, oh, you know, Mr. Johnson and Reginald have just like been in a room together for a really long time. And I start to, I, I think Alicia is the sort of friend who, when Frederica and Reginald get married, will kind of just shift to that couple because they're in mm. favour and it will be much easier for her and more comfortable. And it's like the Lady Susan thing's been fun, like, great, thanks for coming by. But long term, she's not going to go against her husband the whole time. Right? Right. It's like, right. Her fun, wild friend, but she's not living that life and she, she'll like grow out of it or whatever. Now, a comparison, going back to Lady Susan kind of versus Claire, Andrea in our Facebook group said that she, Lady Susan, is almost too witty and too quick and too scheming to be real. And Claire Mm -hmm. is so maddeningly realistic. And half of what Claire does is so facepalm worthy that I feel like we all know someone like that. Which is exactly what you were saying before, isn't it? Like, yeah, Claire feels very real in a way that feels real. Lady Susan is a much better villain, but I don't think Claire's meant to yeah. be a villain. I think Lady Susan is meant to be. Yeah, absolutely. So the motive, She's- the motive with both characters is is quite different. And this point of it being funny as well. Do you want to read Tracy's comment? Because I think that's that's the thing that a lot of the reviews are missing, right? It's like, this is a comedy. I think my only problem with it is not the movie itself, but the press surrounding it. There was quite a lot of finally Jane Austen is funny bits and similar sentiments that floated around. It was a bit frustrating for me to see the number of comments implying that Whit Stillman, a man, somehow understood Austen in a way that no one else has. I'm not so sure a female filmmaker would have received the same effusive praise had she made the exact same film. I, I think that's totally yeah. like exactly right. Um, Jane Austen is funny. Guys, Walter, Sir Walter's funny. <laughs> uh, yeah, all like, yeah. Yeah, Jane Austen is funny. This is just a a stripped back movie, like you said, where you get to see all the funny. <laughs> mm-hmm. Music was great. Oh, Ruth, the music was amazing. Ruth uh, pointed that out, actually, in the Facebook group. She said that um, I also loved how they used music from the 1700s for the soundtrack. So I definitely geeked out about that as well. Ruth is a musician, guys, and I do want to have her on the show to talk about uh, period drama music because she's an expert in that arena. Um, So should we talk a little bit about season three? It's season three, Hannah. Yes, we should. Tell the people. Season three. So season three has a little bit of a different format. Um, I'm sure you guys have noticed that the intro has changed. Um, what we have coming up for you guys starting in April is um, we're going to be exploring a lot of different authors this season. And I know I joked, I think on the first episode about how this was like going back to school to get, you know, a degree in women's literature. Like we really mm-hmm. should send you a certificate if you do all the reading and you listen to all the episodes because it's kind of a lot. 
So we'll be covering different authors. We'll have a different expert on for each episode. Um, We will have recommendations as far as what you might want to read and discuss in the Facebook group. I'm going to tell you a couple of the authors that are coming up. One is Frances Burney. Yeah. Are you super excited about that? <laughs> oh man, I've I've been deep in Bernie for a couple of weeks now and she is incredible. And I'm getting all of my Napoleonic War crushes. Like Nelson, <laughs> like I've read so much about Nelson in my research. It's been great. Like blockades, wartime, admirals. Oh my gosh. Yeah. We have a, a lot of Bernie stuff coming up. So That is very exciting. Um, In the Facebook group, I'm just going to post like a Bernie thread. And if you guys have recommendations for like what to read or if you just want to discuss her and her life, which is completely fascinating, um, we'll do it there. And um, another author that we have coming up is Louisa May Alcott. Of course, we've covered her before last year, but we're going to sort of take a different angle this year. And we'll be doing sort of a mini read along. It's not a full one, but we're going to read work. Um, I think it's a really interesting piece by Louisa May Alcott. It's an adult piece. It's very, very short. It's free on Project Gutenberg. It's like free on Kindle. Um, I highly recommend that you pick it up. We are going to post a thread in our Facebook group about work to discuss it. But I also want to do sort of another interactive episode where you guys send in voice memos or just comment on the Facebook group and we'll read it on on the show about how work relates to your life, um, things that you might be responding to, things that you might be still experiencing in the workplace. Um, So yeah, yeah, we'll do a little bit more details on that later, but I'm very, very excited. We've done a lot of research, Hannah. We've done so much reading on so many different authors. And it is kind of in response to the first two seasons of the show, right? This started out as Austin versus Bronte, and we kind of have organically covered Elizabeth Gaskell, um, mm-hmm. Francis uh, Hodgson Burnett, uh, Francis Charlotte Pilkin, you know the one I'm trying to say. It. <laughs> Charlotte Perkins Gilman. Charlotte P- Perkins Gilman. <laughs> I, I can never say a name. And so, yeah, in the past, it's like, when we introduce it and we say like I'm Team Austin, I'm Team Bronte, it's it doesn't always fit every week. So we're yeah. gonna come back to our gals. I'm gonna keep repping Austin wherever and whenever I can. Austin, Lauren will keep going on about the Brontes wherever and whenever she can. But there is just so many people to talk to who are relevant uh, to every yeah. discussion that we have. So we're really excited to talk a little bit more about a lot more people. Yeah, it's going to be an interesting season, guys. And um, we also have a bunch of secret plans in the works. Oh, my God. I was hoping that we would be able to announce some of these things on this episode, but they are all still um, secret. So listen, uh, we got a Netflix documentary. We're going to be on Netflix. It's pretty (laughs) exciting. Uh, We've got the Amazon Prime sponsorship. Casper Mattress is sending over a couple of beds. Things are really hotted up for us. Yeah, things are crazy. So um, we will be announcing those things on our social media. And uh, what what is that? What is social media? What is the web? Where can you find us? What's happening, Hannah? Well, I can't answer a lot of those questions, Lauren. Mm. I can tell you that you can find us, as always, on Instagram and Twitter. 
at bonnets at dawn. You can email us bonnets at dawn at gmail.com and you can join our very vocal Facebook group by searching bonnets at dawn and answering the two little questions that prove you're not a robot. Yeah, sounds great. All right, guys, we'll see you next week. Bye. Bye. This one is too long. I do not think we should do this one. Uh, just like the last bit. Do you reckon? I, I think I think it's bit. funny. I reckon skip it. The other ones are way better. Well, I think what's funny about this is, well, is it is it rude to say this? So I kind of like why I highlighted that last bit is that it's like the period drama fan who knows a little too much about the period and like wants to show their knowledge, but then also. I'm like fine with people having clean teeth and like streets that are clean. I don't know how you feel about it, but like I'm fine with leaving some of those period drama like details out. All of these people are wearing lip gloss. So yeah, I don't know. It's like, I'm not in a time machine, right? If yeah. people, people forgive it in Polduck and they, they are wearing a lot of makeup in that show. Yeah. You know? And so it's like, I will, I will just suspend my disbelief. And also I feel with, lady susan as well it's like certain aesthetics like period dramas have certain aesthetics and so you can go for like the gray washed out there's dirt and straw and shit on every floor everyone's clothes are worn yeah, like you yeah. know the dickens look right <laughs> so right this isn't going this this isn't going for like hyper authentic like everything from yeah the like i kind of want it to the writing to the sets to the costumes everything is very clean and fresh and sharp well, I kind of want to talk about that compromise a little bit of like, you have to have a compromise in adaptations, right? Like mm-hmm. not every detail is going to be there because also it's like, are you going to complain about, you know, Kate Beckinsale's teeth not being period appropriate, but it's also like, she's an actress and <laughs> we have to like watch this on a big screen and <laughs> it has to be like enjoyable. There's like a compromise with period dramas. So I just, I don't know. I think that's kind of interesting. You know, we just discussed that without uh, We did. We did. That's, I was trying to stop you. 